Hello, 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 and welcome to the Altwork Podcast, where we explore the new frontiers of work and challenge everything you thought you knew about your career, business, and the world of work. I'm Victoria Rellas, and here is my co-host, Saki Rasul. Hi, Saki. Hello, Victoria. And today, we'll be discussing navigating a new leadership role and becoming a leader worth following. Um, in a way, we talk about leadership all the time in our work and in the podcast as well, but we have never exclusively just talked about what is leadership, how to become a great leader. So today we thought we'd share with you um, our alt perspective on leadership um, to help maybe people who are just, you know, uh, navigating a new leadership role, um, navigate it well. So let's see how alt our perspective is, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so since this is such a big topic, I have a lot of questions that I've written down for you, Saikim. Mm. Um, so why don't we start from the beginning and lay some groundwork? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, what does leadership mean to you? So I like when we talk about leadership, what are we talking about? Mm. That's a that's a good question to start with. I want to, uh, instead of just diving into the question, mm-hmm. I want to do something interesting. I want to hear your opinion, mm-hmm. being a young leader yourself. When you hear about leadership, what does it mean to you? Maybe let me start by listening to you a little bit and uh, form my thinking on such a big question right off the bat. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about it, I think that, you know, when someone is like promoted to a leadership role, it, I think it's usually because that person is willing to take responsibility for a bigger, uh, like a bigger concern, right? Mm-hmm. So they're now in charge of like a team or a bigger project. And it is because I think it is because they have shown or proved that they are willing to take responsibility for it. Their, uh, like their care um, is bigger than just themselves and their work, but about mm-hmm. the team and mm-hmm. about the whole business doing well. Yeah. So that's what I think. That's what comes to my mind. I think it's um, right on the dot. Maybe we can, let's just say, leadership is three things. Mm-hmm. Let's start with where you started. First, leadership is taking responsibility for messes that no one wants to take responsibility for. Yeah. First thing. Mm-hmm. Second thing, ask questions that no one wants to ask why there is so much mess what's going on here why are we continuing with practices that don't deliver and so on number three we could say that leadership is really about taking breakdowns like dissatisfactions and turning them into breakthroughs Mm. like problems into opportunities not just for yourself but also for others, or maybe first for others. Mm. And yourself gets taken care in the process of taking care of others. So three things, taking full responsibility, Mm -hmm. free choice responsibility, not responsibility like an obligation. Right. But you freely are willing to enter into messes that no one else wants to enter. Mm. You're willing to ask the questions that no one else wants to ask. Mm. And uh, what did we say? Number three. Uh, Bringing 
possibilities to do breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Bringing, taking breakdowns and transforming them into breakthroughs and helping your people walk the path yeah. of breakdown to a breakthrough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe okay. let's start there. I like those three points. So let me ask you something about, I think, point number two. What questions mm-hmm. do you, are you talking about? Like you said, ask difficult mm-hmm. questions that no one wants to ask, right? Like what type of questions? Difficult. You know, what happened in, normally in enterprises, even in startups, that people get set in their ways. Maybe they bring their ways of being from them, from, uh, from previous jobs, from previous roles, and people really get fixed in their ways. And mm-hmm. as people get fixed in their ways, certain kind of a waste becomes hidden. Okay. And certain kind of waste gets ignored. Sometimes uh, there are certain tussles among departments and leaders, or there are ineffective processes, or too many TPS reports, or certain... Um, uh, there are sacred cows uh, to worship in corporate systems like you can't question X or you can't question why a certain department is doing what they're doing. You can't question it because you're trying to please someone. Mm-hmm. So asking difficult questions about what's going on here, what is the history of this mm-hmm. matter, where does this come from, who is affected, what is the real cost on the enterprise, what is the cost uh, for individuals, uh, what is likely to happen if we don't make any change? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, this one question that what is likely to happen if we don't make any change is largely ignored. Yeah. So these are maybe some of the opening questions uh, yeah. that I can propose that you take a look around and take responsibility for messes and mm-hmm. begin to ask questions that no one has been willing to ask. I got it. I got it. I understand better because it's sounding to me like listening for hidden resignation. Hmm. Right. Hmm. And resignation doesn't want to be called out. Resignation wants to hide. Hmm. So hmm. asking the question of like, no, why are we doing doing this like this when we can see that like it's not really working? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Let's expand on this a little bit. When, when you sure. say maybe the meaning of what is a hidden resignation is accessible to you and I, but for the sake of our uh, listeners, mm-hmm. maybe we should say something. How do you mean yeah. by resignation? And how do you mean by hidden resignation? Mm. Well, I guess resignation is always hidden, though. Or I mean, most of the time it is. Well, but sometimes what... it's pretty obvious, right? Sometimes it's like, <laughs> I don't see any possibility and there's nothing hidden about it. True. So, True. so say something about what do you mean by resignation? And then, then maybe expand a little bit on what you meant by by hidden okay well what i mean by that is like becoming complacent to something not working and like Mm. but like secretly because you don't outwardly say oh i don't think this is gonna not gonna work because then otherwise you kind of declare a breakdown right so you're not openly saying it you're just like thinking it but you're continuing to do the work anyways even though you know in the back of your head that this is not going to go anywhere at least you think Mm -hmm. you you know so that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why hidden? Why would you say uh, hidden resignation? Uh, for what? For the reason I just said that, like, if it wasn't hidden, um, then it would be like 
it'll be accessible to it'd you. It'd be a declared breakdown almost. At least you'd mm -hmm. be complaining about it, right? And you'd be like mm -hmm. telling other people, I don't think that it's going to work. But you're, it's hidden because you're doing the work anyways. Mm -hmm. So resignation is, uh, is, um, is a mood of a kind that comes over that if you have tried something, you cared about something, you mm -hmm. tried something and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And now it gives you experience, but mm -hmm. that experience whispers in your ears that nothing new is possible. You have tried, you were well-intentioned, and it didn't work. Therefore, nothing new is possible. It could mm -hmm. be in dealing with a uh, colleague, in dealing with a client, or dealing with a certain market segment, or uh, certain client profiles in which you make up your mind that the way things are, they're going to continue to be that way. And what happens that the quality of all your actions that you take from that position, from that context, by holding that story, that nothing new is possible here, as many evidences and as many uh, facts that you may have, maybe your boss uh, behaves in a certain way. Maybe mm -hmm. your boss moves too fast or changes his or her mind all the time. Or maybe your boss is doing something that you disagree with. And then you try to talk and nothing changes. Now you begin to operate with an interpretation that my boss is this kind of a person and he and sh or she or they are going to continue to be this kind of a people that they are. Mm -hmm. Now, every time your boss opens their mouth, open his or her mouth, you listen to it, not what is being said, but you listen to it from the filter of your resignation. So everything that is said, it doesn't land. Yeah. And soon enough, you forget that you had this filter. Hmm. That part makes, I think what you're saying is make the resignation hidden. Hmm. It's not visible to you that you're listening yeah. through a certain kind of a filter, certain kind of a, uh, like once you're wearing pink color uh, glasses, everything looks pink color. At first, when you put the pink glasses on, everything looks pink and you know that you have the glasses on, but after a while you forget about it. The reality just looks pink. Mm. So that aspect, uh, I think that what we are referring to here is the hidden aspect. Yeah, you said it very well. <laughs> mm. Thank you. And so the like the next part of this is then bringing a possibility to your team, right? Mm. Can you say more about that? How do you bring a, how do you go from a breakdown to a breakthrough and how do you enroll your team? Uh, how, do you, how do you go from a breakdown? Um, what does a leader do to go from a breakdown to a breakthrough? Yeah. Hmm. And how do you enroll your team? Because it's not enough to do it by yourself, right? Yeah, how do you... Uh, what happened is that when things are messy, things are stuck, things are broken, people get disappointed about the future. Yeah. That's what we call hidden resignation or they become... Uh, resignation leads to other moods like resentment about each other. Resentment uh, about each other comes from not seeing that something new can happen here. Mm. So since you don't see anything new as possible, 
you might as well be resentful. Or since you don't see anything new as possible, uh, you might as well just watch your own back mm -hmm. or get as many gold coins in your uh, bank account as possible, as sharply, as quickly, as effectively as possible. And in a space like this, not only breakdown is not dealt with, but there is no leadership. So how, as a new leader, as someone moving into a leadership role, uh, steps into that kind of a role where you come in and it's breakdowns everywhere, there is resignation everywhere, and where do you begin? And resentment everywhere. And resentment everywhere. Yeah. And soon enough, if you're a new leader of a team at any level, whether you are a, a first level manager or a, a general manager or making the CEO and everything in between, uh, wherever you are, um, you are if you're pushed into a web of relationships and you may be experiencing a lot of negative moods in that web of relationships and uh so you ask a really good question how do you take these breakdowns and turn them into breakthroughs mm -hmm. i think the first job of a leader it has to be beginning with uh, listening to what's going on mm -hmm. a lot of time uh new leaders get the impulse that i need to fix something especially mm -hmm. If you are a senior person, suppose you are a vice president and you did really good in your job and now you're being promoted to the CEO role. So what you learned from your experience, the solutions that you learned from your experience, or if you were an individual contributor and you outperformed in your job and now you have been made a manager and you learned something while you were contributing individually, uh, or at a certain level of your uh, management or leadership role. Uh, so you have formulas in your head. You know how to fix things. Mm. Oftentimes, when you go to a new team that is full of breakdowns, full of resignation, full of resentment, and everything in between, and you try to bring a solution, what is likely to happen? It doesn't work their solution is rejected. People like, you don't know what my problems are. How could you solve my problem if you don't know what my problems are? Mm. So the first step for, I think, leader to turn breakdowns into breakthroughs is to begin by listening to the team members, mm. listening to um, what do they care about? They may be resigned. Remember, we talked about this in another episode that if you don't care, you cannot be resigned. For the fact that you're resigned, that means you care. Mm. If you don't care at all, you're apathetic. Mm. And that's a very serious problem. That cannot be solved, resolved so easily with ontological work that requires more deeper um, form of uh, therapy of a kind. But most people are not uh, apathetic where they just don't care. Most people uh, care deeply. They just don't see anything new as possible. Mm -hmm. So as a new leader, your job is to get in touch with the care of those people. Begin to listen to what do they really care about at a personal level, at a team level. Also to assume that everybody is selfish and everybody only cares about their own uh, career has less to do, little to do with the people you're working with has more to do with how you see reality yourself. Mm. And so first step is to begin to listen to what are the, and 
one more thing. We're talking about care, not as some kind of a touchy-feely thing. Mm. We're talking about care, not as kind of like this mushy emotion. We're talking about care as your choice of engagement, mm. that where you have chosen to, uh, to engage, mm. whether it's working or not working. So first, mm. getting deeply in touch with where your team members are engaged, where they have chosen to uh, engage, what do they care about? Um, yeah. What are their frustrations? Yeah, yeah, I, I like this. So in a way, showing up to this new role, not with like per preconceived notions of, you know, um, like resigned, right? About your people and thinking that you have to know it all and then you have to like bring amazing solutions to the table, but instead kind, kind of coming with, the mood of a new beginner that's willing to listen to them and to really like hear what it is they care about and their concerns and their frustrations. I think that's a really brilliant move. Um, and I think you shared with you shared this with us um, a couple days ago, like we had a, a little group meeting and you said that you, you it can be a very nerve wracking uh, time, right? Stepping into a new leadership role. Um, so you're very nervous and anxious and self-conscious about how you are being and how you're acting and how people are perceiving you and everything and you said something that struck with me you said like shift the focus from yourself to your team all anxiety and depression comes from focusing too much on yourself instead shift all of that focus to your team what they need from you who they mm -hmm. need you to be and that will help you um, a lot right mm -hmm. and that's not an easy job if you have a new promotion you've been moved to uh, all the way from first level manager role to the CEO role and everything in between, you want to demonstrate that you can really perform very well. Right. So you're going to have the the compulsion to bring solution to the table, right. to awe people with how smart you are, mm -hmm. to pull rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. Mm. And as you try to pull the rabbit out of the hat, the others don't care about that. Your solutions don't matter. Mm. It's your willingness to learn freshly about what's going on. Mm. And then from there, um, as you begin to be in touch with what's going on, what you're learning about the situation, what you're learning about the history of the situation, what you're learning about the conditions of satisfaction for your people and their constituents, they're mm. serving some other customers depending on the kind of team you have inherited, whether it's a team of account managers or team of artists or team of salespeople or engineering people, each kind of uh, uh, person, each kind of uh, human being working in enterprise is concerned with some constituent, some customer, somebody that they need to satisfy. Yeah. And learning about that and learning their care and where they have failed before, what they have tried before, mm. that will begin to tune you into the moods of your people. Mm. So some skill about tuning into moods, mm. some skill about, and what is, you know, we've talked about moods before. Mood is your background disposition. What do you think is going to happen or not going to happen? The thinking that drives everything else that's invisible to you, that's your mood. So learning the skills to tap into this invisible uh, thinking that goes on, that informs and whispers uh, in ears, I don't know, right ear or left ear, maybe both ears, 
There's a, imagine there's a little demon that sits on your shoulder and that maybe runs to the left and right and whispers in your ear that nothing is going to happen here or mm. uh, such and such joy is out to get you and jail will do, do you damage and people will uh, hurt you and you're not good enough and you will never be able to succeed. Mm. All these little whispers that are your resignations and others' resignation, you need some skills with moods to begin to tap into that because mm. people operate out of those. Yeah. People don't actually speak those. Uh, people don't generally say, hey, I have a little demon that's whispering in my ear that nothing new is going to happen in this situation. Yeah. People generally say, uh, I think, and I know I'm right, that nothing is going to happen in this situation. Yeah. So learning to listen to the resignations and navigate moods and then beginning to uh, bring a new context, yeah. asking questions in a way, helping people make assessments about assessments, which we call the skill of making grounded assessments. People have opinions. That's fine. We cannot be driving with facticity everywhere. We will never have enough data, never have enough facts. We will never really know the reality of every situation as reality of every situation uh, in business and work and anything that matters has to do with the future that is not yet here, has to do with uncertain, unpredictable future. So you don't really have the facticity of the situation or you don't know the entire background to be able to predict what's going to happen next, right? So stepping away from the prediction business, stepping away from the facts business, you have to move with your opinion, which we call gut decisions or intuition. But what it is that you have opinion, but you don't make opinions about your opinions. You just take your opinion to be the truth. Right. You take your opinion to be fact. You have an opinion and others have an opinion and everyone takes their opinion to be the fact of the day. Mm -hmm. And then people fight with each other. They try to fix each other's opinions. So learning to uh, have opinions about your opinions, make grounded assessments, learning to navigate moods, all of that gives you a possibility to see a new future that wasn't possible before. And that new future doesn't have to be your invention, your solution. That arises in conversations to gather with your peers, with your team members, with your bosses, that you may be up against a very hard problem uh, that doesn't have a clear solution. And you may need to design like a mood of an experimentation. What happens if you experiment in a resigned mood? No results. So leader's job is to not only set up the experimentation uh, matrix, is to design the mood for leaders self, for himself, herself, and then mm -hmm. design a mood for the whole team that is overarching mood over the whole experimentation in which new solution will be found. Leader's job is to orchestrate uh, moods of their people and take people through kind of like a bridge that exists from a breakdown, from a challenge into a new possible future that may not be clearly known. Another thing that happens, Victoria. Wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. no, let's pause because this is a lot. Okay, and I don't, okay. want to, I don't want people to get too confused and overwhelmed. Okay. This is great, but let's like practically uh, 
maybe showcase it a little bit so it's more like uh, mm -hmm. comprehensible to people. What would that look like? Like in a conversation, what would it look like to take care of of moods of some moods like resignation mood, um, generate a new context like you said, and then like ground your opinion, and you kind of you said it very well like bringing bridging from a breakdown to a breakthrough in a conversation. I'm thinking, what would it look like if I were like the employee and I was resigned and you were trying to have a conversation with me? We had a team meeting about some project that's going on, like, what would you say to me? Um, ask a, ask in a, in a different way. Or I, maybe uh, I can, like, I'm thinking about, like, yeah. I'm thinking about starting the conversation somewhere, like, you know, um, if you're a new leader and you have a team, you start off by saying, listen, guys, I understand that we have tried this before and that maybe some of us might be resigned about it working at all, right? Um, and I got that. However, I think that we need to see the possibility of what would happen if we actually made this work. We would be able to do this, 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 and this, which would, you know, you know, generate a lot of income or whatever, or help us succeed. Um, like, I'm like, that's what I'm trying to do here with you. Yeah, I think it sounds good. That's, that's good news. <laughs> that's a good news. I mean, you do this with us in the morning all the time, right? whenever me and maria who is my coworker, show up to a meeting and sometimes we have you catch our bad moods sometimes you call us out and you say guys no we can't act like that right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think the important thing to do here i i see what you're what you're trying to ask me tell me if i'm in the in the right uh, direction i think you're asking actually an incredibly important question that how do you help someone who get very stuck in their resigned mood how do you how do you break loose someone out of the stuck mood out of a stuck uh, interpretation of the situation um i think the first step has to be that you um you put them in touch with the care of the situation generally people that are stuck in a resigned mood are the ones that cared deeply about something Mm -hmm. but they don't see anything new as possible. Yeah. Right. So they have not had the opportunity to have an opinion about their opinion, if you will. Okay. They haven't had the opportunity to form an opinion about their opinion. So introduce them to the skill of like revisiting their opinion and thinking together about um, what else might be possible in this situation thinking about new possibilities, um, reminding them that they have the responsibility out of their care to think about new possibilities and showing them that situation itself may be stuck, but the mood they're bringing to the situation that is keeping the situation exactly where it is. This exercise might begin to have some, uh, uh, begin to shake loose the stuck interpretation. Is that what you're... Yeah, I think that's okay for now. Let's move the conversation to a different uh, place. Let's talk about um, what makes someone worth following. Like what makes a leader worth following? Hmm. That's a good question. Especially if you're just entering a new job, a new role, the question must be on your mind, what makes you worth following? Mm -hmm. 
yeah. I think this question we should look at like what kind of leader is not worth following. Okay. We start by investigating. Um, I think the leader that is not worth following is someone who is still operating from the industrial era 20th century management skills, which mm. was predominantly around control. Mm, yeah. That if I can control my people, if I can get them to do exactly what I want them to do, yeah. that would result in a success. Yeah. That kind of a leader who's full of ideals and full of solutions and full of sureties and certainties is not a leader worth following, is a leader mm. that is bound to frustrate his or her people. Mm. The leader that is worth following, that is a leader who is listening to their people, who is mm. who is paying attention to what the breakdowns are, as we talked in the first part of the conversation, yeah. someone who is tuned into the moods of the people who see a new possibility in the middle of a breakdown. Hmm. who has the skills for dealing with breakdowns, who doesn't just hmm. get stuck with the psychological interpretation that disaster has happened, is hmm. someone who declares the breakdown, who agrees some disaster has happened, gathers people, think about possibilities that maybe what we were going to do is we're not going to be able to do. Uh, like in this podcast, the technical difficulties got in the way and we're not going to be able to deliver one coherent uh, whole video yeah. uh, but what we can still do that maybe we can record part two for example and post it later mm -hmm. yeah. so the possibility always arises in people being concerned about what they're concerned about and then dealing with each other talking with each other such a leader who orchestrates this dance I mm. believe is a leader worth following mm. I like that and you know I would like to share Mm. That I respect you as a leader a lot. Thank you, Victoria. And what why do I you think, respect me as a leader a lot? Yeah, I was gonna say. Mm. I think what makes you worth following is that mm. number one, yeah, you do not try to control everything, um, which like it's which is it creates a lot of freedom for us to work together, however we want to work together, right? Um, mm. And then the second thing is that you create the space for conversations in which we think together and come up with solutions together or new possibilities. You don't try to like impose, um, no, well, sometimes you do have like an insight that, you know, I think we should do this, but you don't try to like impose it and say, no, no, we're gonna do this no matter what you think. You in a way help me and Maria come to that conclusion as well. And sometimes towards the end of the conversation, that plays, we're in a slightly different place than what you had originally imagined, but it's a very good place, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. those qualities um, make someone worth following. Yeah, thank you, Victoria. Thank you for noticing <laughs> and your acknowledgement, and I totally got it. I think that I learned uh, a while ago that ordering, mm -hmm. you know, is a is a one uh, um, superpower that a leader has. Uh, mm -hmm. or a manager, I would say, I'm not talking about now a leader who is a thought leader, but someone who is hierarchically sure. uh, in the top seat, that you can issue orders. And sometimes 
your orders must be followed. For example, if you are two fighter pilots and the pilot in the front sees a incoming missile or something and says to the pilot in the back, 20 degree north, and the back pilot says, well, excuse me, would you mind explaining your order to me? I don't really follow orders. Then the plane is hit and you're gone. So mm -hmm. sometimes when there's an urgent action going on, there is a place to give orders and follow orders. But most of the time, 95% yeah. of the time, uh, the habit of issuing orders and making sure that your people follow orders, this is so 20th century leadership style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Leaders that think that ordering is the only skill they got, those leaders are in big trouble. Hmm. I think before ordering, um, listening together, wondering together, investigating what matters to people, not to make them feel good. Listening is not, yes, it does make someone feel good. When you listen to someone, someone feels good, but you don't really listen as a strategy to make people feel good. Mm -hmm. You listen to confront your own blindness. Hmm. You listen to investigate that may not be clear to both sides. Hmm. You listen to wonder together. When you begin to listen to your people, you create the space for co-invention. Yeah. How many times now, one of the things I have done in my career, I ran marketing agency for a couple of years and I'm familiar with lots of marketing patterns and funnel patterns and so on and so forth. But when it comes to... Uh, promoting this work, uh, selling our courses and doing these conversations, I have not done this work before. So mm -hmm. it makes sense for me that instead of issuing orders to my, uh, to my team, that I begin to confront my own blindness, which is to say, I don't know how to sell this kind of leadership coaching work. So let us think together of what we're going to do. Yeah, that creates, you know, at first, it actually shocks people, you know, many people um, that joined our team were shocked by, oh, yeah. the the CEO doesn't have a clear plan and doesn't have confidence in that plan and doesn't yeah. have line by line execution, because yeah. people are used to, to having leaders coming up and forcing plans and ordering everybody. Yeah. But if you act like that, from my previous startup experience from other teams that I built before, yeah. You end up creating teams of just order takers around you. Yeah. So when a breakdown happens, when opportunity comes for everyone to think on what to do and choose a new future together in mm. the face of a breakdown, in the face of a resignation, uh, then the team gets stuck. The team cannot think together. Yeah. Even in this conversation, we had a technical breakdown. Um, I had a bad mood about the technical breakdown. I want to do this next week. But you said, no, 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 listen, why don't we just record this and append it as part two of the conversation and so on and so forth. Yeah. A perfect example in which uh, you have, because the space I have created and available, that benefits me because you may bring me out of a blindness where as a leader, I may get stuck in a blindness. Hmm. So that makes sense? Um, well, it makes sense. This is like, um, you know, power over versus power with right mm -hmm. that's a Instead good of, distinction yeah mm -hmm. and this is costly because this is i'm uh, like power over is costly because mm -hmm. i'm thinking of of one of my friends who recently quit her job 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason she quit is because she was working for this company and the CEO or the founder was a little bit too removed from what was really going on. And mm-hmm. the business was doing bad and he had a great plan about how to make it work. And like, it was perfect. And like, just one morning, my friend went to work and she was like, there was like a whole new plan about what we we're supposed to do. But like the employees were not at all like enrolled into this plan. So it just felt to them like you're just imposing this new thing. And like, you don't even see what's actually broken. Like, that's not going to work. Like, it's not obvious to him or her that that plan was not going to work. And he didn't even like talk to us about it. He didn't even ask us what we think is not working and where we think that we should focus more time. And so my friend really felt like this is not a place I want to work, right? So she quit and she went to another place. Oh so the cost is, it's costly. You lose losing people. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear your friend went through that experience and maybe um, you should offer your friend to speak with the CEO. She's already left the place. Yeah. So it may not be her concern anymore, but it's a good idea to speak to the CEO because oftentimes people that issue orders like this, that come up with, you know, leader goes away in a cave, comes up with a perfect vision, comes yeah. down from the mountain the and gives his <laughs> or her people, uh, and it's generally his, but could also be her, you know, mm-hmm. there's no yeah, um, sure. male uh, part of the species doesn't have uh, dominance over tyranny. It could be either way. Hmm? Yeah. So leader comes down, but generally, historically, there has been men or that have come down from the uh, vision quest. And now the Uh vision is clear. And now Uh the leader's job is to push this vision, uh, Jack Welch style, onto uh, his people. And whoever doesn't get aligned, remove them, (laughs) cut them out of the game. But what's happening these days that people in reaction to leadership style like this, people are quitting. Yeah. People are saying that this is indignity. I will not stand for it. Yeah. We need to help your friend and the chief executive and everyone across the board, because I believe that chief executive had good intentions. Yeah. Chief executive was probably worried about the future of the organization, worried about some challenge and felt that it was his responsibility to come up with solution. Yeah. And while trying to take care of the organization, of the people, such a CEO ends up injuring the people because mm-hmm. now people cannot co-own the solution. Mm-hmm. This, this whatever new future, new game plan, new strategy that CEO came up with is not shared by people. People don't believe it's their own. People are still working out of the old interpretations or some old plan or commitment that they made. And people are going like, wait a minute, I'm doing great work. Now you're telling me all the work that I have done is irrelevant and you got a new plan. Yeah. Um, You know what to do with this new plan. Hmm? You can, you can take it and uh, live with it. And thank you very much. I will go work somewhere else Yeah. with good intentions. The road to hell is paved. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And this leadership style, like you said earlier, is very like, in the past it's, it just it doesn't work anymore with the mm-hmm. new the new generation that is starting to work also mm-hmm. like my generation we i don't think we will really uh put up with that 
Anyway. I, I'm curious, why wouldn't you put up with it? Why wouldn't your gen? No, my generation. There's too many options. We can just quit and go somewhere else. My uh... and also, there's not mm -hmm. as much like loyalty, right? Mm. To like specific companies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but um, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. So. Mm -hmm. We people who are stepping into new leadership roles are um, most of them are stepping into like maybe a executive manager role. Okay, mm. uh, you, we make a really interesting distinction between a manager and a leadership that I think is really helpful. Mm. Um, can you uh, share a little bit the difference between being a manager and being a leader? Yes, yes. I think that we uh, uh, did we talk about it in the first part we did. Maybe not. No, okay, let's touch we base did, on it briefly. We did like share a post on LinkedIn about it a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Manager is someone whose job is to uh, maintain stable recurrence. Mm -hmm. You know, like a like a mother in the house, you have the responsibility, or father in the house who has the responsibility of uh, maintaining uh, the stable recurrence. The bills are paid. The gas is working, the electricity is working, the garbage, mm -hmm, the whole thing. So there's a stable recurrence going on. If it's an engineering team, you're delivering um, software bits. And if you're a marketing team, you're generating leads. So there is a stable recurrence going on. A breakdown interrupts this stable recurrence. Now the manager's job is to deal with this breakdown, mm -hmm. to see what's broken, to see what's possible, to mobilize resources um, and restore the stable recurrence. Leader's job is to see the stable recurrence going on that is not delivering results. So there's a bigger breakdown, but generally people are not in touch with that breakdown. Maybe the results, uh, maybe the results that are not delivered have been accepted as a normal thing. Yeah. Maybe the waste that is in the space that is accepted as a normal thing. Um, so leader's job is to produce the breakdown. Leader's job is to disrupt the stable recurrence that is not delivering satisfaction and is to disrupt the breakdown to ask uh, the question is to, is to make a declaration that this is no longer working. Mm -hmm. So those are two uh, connected but opposite uh, skills to each other. Manager's job being producing the stable recurrence leader's job being uh, disrupting the stable recurrence. And mm. just to just to remind you, uh, my friend Chomsi Bell says, there's a third role. Uh, mm -hmm. We won't go into the details now, but it's important to mention that mm -hmm. Chomsi says there's a third role of a designer who looks at what's broken and where the community is stuck, sees a new future and designs a bridge, designs a path for people to go to the new future. The, mm. the, the role of a designer is to design an alternative future that works. And maybe in small companies like startups um, or greenfield initiatives, new initiatives in large enterprises, all these three roles fall to a single person. Yeah. The point isn't that you are gonna be a leader or you're gonna be a manager. Yeah, I think that if you want to be an effective navigator in corporates, in enterprises, in startups, then you need to learn both of those skills or all three skills of when to manage 
when to produce stability, when to deal with the breakdown and restore stability. So your team keeps operating, your company, your customers, your constituents, they continue to have the satisfaction they're expecting. And knowing when you need to disrupt the stability, you need to say something that wake people up. Maybe some group has been trapped in uh, some kind of uh, um, uh, inequality or something. Mm, and it sounds like very normal to people. Maybe women are being suppressed or some other minority or some race is being suppressed or some um, you know, orientation, personal orientation is being suppressed. So leader's job is to, is to declare the breakdown, is to stop the cycle in that is producing the waste and learning how to do that. And then learning, which is outside of the scope of this conversation, learning how to build a bridge from the breakdown to the breakthrough, from the current future to the new future is a role of a designer that maybe we can uh, cover at another time. Isn't that still the job of a leader though? To like bridge, to make that bridge? I think maybe we should uh, we should invite uh, Chomsi Bell to, yeah. uh, to the conversation. Um, and generally it is assumed to be a job of a leader, mm-hmm. but we need to see clearly that leadership um, has always been about destruction. Mm-hmm. There might be positive generative leaders and there have been leaders that are negative leaders like Hitler and Stalin, but they were leaders nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And there are leaders that generate new reality uh, for people to live well, like um, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and some couple of recent American leaders come to mind or Kennedy that produced a new era of scientific exploration for for Americans. Um, Maybe leader takes that job on, but I think that there is a wisdom in making distinct Mm -hmm. uh, the job of a leader, which is to to produce the perturbance, produce the disturbance Mm -hmm. that creates the space for diagnosis to happen. It may not be leader's job. Maybe we overload the leader too much if we put Mm -hmm. up on leader that, hey, now you need to diagnose, you need to corral people to discuss possibilities, you need to orchestrate uh, the whole game, and you need to design like a new bridge to the future. Uh, Mm -hmm. If it is a leader's job, then we need to identify those skills as as design skills, uh, according to... To my friend, yeah. maybe you can investigate that a little further. Mm-hmm. What's the distinction between a designer and a leader? Yeah, maybe uh, Chanti will be our next host or guest in the mm-hmm. podcast next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I that's that's interesting, and thank you for answering uh, to my question. Um, and I can see that it's not a it's not a matter of being a leader or being a manager, but it's a matter of knowing when to be. A manager when to have st- mm-hmm. stable recurrence and when to be a leader when to declare a breakdown when something is not working and call it out right that's right that's right yeah. we talked about the uh, example that you know to to have a good uh, hearty dinner you need both a fork and a knife but yeah. what if you got hold of the fork first and you learned to use the fork or you got hold of the knife first and you say i'm a forkist or i'm a knifeist you don't want to be a fororecast or a knifeist. Yeah. You want to be uh, adept at using both, yeah, both so you can you can cut into your 
yeah. vegetables or your meat or whatever you're eating and mm. you can have a have a yummy dinner uh, imagine trying to have trying to cut into a steak or cut into a thick vegetable only with the fork or trying to hold things with your knife most people end up being forkists or knifeists they end up having these ideas i'm just a manager you know i'm not a leader or i'm a leader i don't do management things mm. and now we bring up a new role of a designer oh it's mm. not my job it is someone else's job to i'm just a leader i'm just going to produce the perturbance a lot of leaders do that they yeah. come up they know uh, how to they have learned the secret of gaining power by declaring a breakdown yeah so all they go around is declaring breakdowns all the time without taking yeah. responsibility mm. of after declaring the breakdown how you are going to map a path to a new future that produces wellness for others yeah. i think many of the negative mm. leaders that we mention like uh, stalin or hitler and uh, and other negative uh, leaders uh they are not successful in mapping a path to a better future hmm. the path that they map leads to a lot of unwellness hmm. so their path crashes hmm. successful leader is someone who sees a better future than the one right now and begins to map the path to do the job of a designer and bring people along the way hmm like martin luther king jr mm -hmm. i think he might have mm -hmm. i think he did that well or exemplified mm -hmm. doing it well mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah if you're not going to do the later part please don't just declare breakdowns and not take responsibility for them you know we have a technical word for those people that go around declaring yeah. breakdowns all the time i forgot what is we it we call them uh, windbaggers hmm? oh. you're windbagging or you're you're whining hmm. you're just uh, emotion you're emoting essentially everywhere this doesn't work this doesn't work or you're not even declaring breakdowns you're just complaining stuff doesn't work yeah because you're you not, are, not taking responsibility for it you're so. not uh, taking responsibility for but if you're just declaring breakdowns you say i'm upset about this and this doesn't work and don't take any further step we uh we have uh, another technical word in our tradition i believe that uh uh chonsi may have come up with that word we we call it you are heroically suffering you know mm. and you know a lot of people around you yeah. that go around uh declaring that doesn't work and my government is screwed up and my company is screwed up but i will stay because i'm a good person and i will suffer heroically mm. so that is uh that is not leadership leadership is Yeah. You know, if you get upset and perturbed and you feel emotional impact, that's fine. Yeah. That only demonstrates that when breakdown happens, you don't feel good. You're emotionally upset, like I was about 30 minutes ago when suddenly our podcast got cut off. Yeah. And uh, it's fine to have that emotional uh, impact right away, to yeah. feel your psychology. But you don't want to be uh, trapped in a psychological prison. Yeah. you want to begin to declare the breakdown and you don't want to just get trapped in declaring the breakdown you don't want to suffer heroically you want to begin to uh, have conversations with the right people about what new future might be possible and you don't want to just get trapped having conversations with people uh, about what future might be possible you must have seen people go around and discuss a lot of possibilities one mm -hmm. coffee meeting another coffee meeting possibility after possibility but no commitment no action mm -hmm. then you have the risk of being a dreamer 
you get stuck as a dreamer. Mm. And uh, so you don't want to get stuck as a dreamer. You want to commit to an action, but you don't want to go to an action right away without having discussed some possibility. If mm. you go to action right away and you don't discuss with your team, you don't discuss with your peers, you don't discuss with your mentors, your coaches, your advisors, then you have another kind of illness um, that we call hyperactivity. And hyperactivity is a disease that can kill any project at any time. So mm. my heartfelt uh, recommendation to new leaders, people that are stepping into new leadership roles, is to avoid hyperactivity. Mm. Maybe you learn as an individual contributor that taking action gets you brownie points. So now you just want to take action. You want to see that action isn't just performance. Action isn't just um, doing a lot of things. Action includes provoking the right conversations in which new possibility can show up. Yeah, and having important conversations is, I mean, having conversations is very important. It's not something you should just skip and straight go into. Very important part of effective leadership that you uh, have important conversations with people yourself and you provoke people to have those important conversations with each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two things came up while you were saying, and you said a lot and you kind of lost me in some parts, but some parts I have more questions about. Okay. Um, first is that you invoked like a mood for a second about someone saying, oh, I don't want to be managed. Right. Or like, I'm not a manager. I don't manage people. Right. And I guess some people do think like that, that, mm -hmm. oh, they don't want to call themselves a manager because no one likes to be managed, right? So mm -hmm. they don't want to like, but like, but I mean, part of your job is to manage. So like, what's the, what's the fine line, right? Like you don't want to manage your people, but then what do you do then? Um, good question. Say more about what do you think should be done in a situation like this? You have been a you have been a manager now for two years. You have led several uh, teams, contractors. I wonder what would you do in a situation like this if you find yourself trapped like that? Well, I think firstly, when people say, "Oh, I don't like being managed or I don't want to be managed, mm -hmm. I think it's more of I don't like I don't want to be controlled. Mm -hmm. I think maybe we have like mixed those two words, management and control together. Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to be managed today, right? I think that's right. a particular shift happening uh, more in younger generations. People don't want to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. People want to have freedom to be able to do their job in the way that they see best. So I think what we need to do here is to reinvent what we call management. Mm -hmm. The old style management, I think, is dead. Mm -hmm. I think the factory style, industrial style, where the job of a manager is to be like a factory foreman sitting in the corner with your hands collapsed in your up your sleeves and um and uh, uh and watching people who comes on time who takes yeah. longer breaks who's yeah. chatting with each other it's like ma managing people's bodies yeah. and managing people's minds or micromanaging right micromanaging with even the uh, you know at that time uh, micromanaging was the management. If mm -hmm. you're going to exert control, you might as well exert control over every single aspect of person's 
uh, activity. And that style of control, I think people are rejecting. I think that people today want to be self-managed. Mm -hmm. So a successful manager is someone who produces the space for people to manage themselves and not mm -hmm. have to be managed by others. Yeah. So manager then needs to learn a new skill. And we're shifting between the distinction of leader and manager. And I think what we're really arriving here that a uh, uh, lot of these, uh, if you're having a new leadership role, it's it's most likely a managerial leader yeah. role that you're having. Mm -hmm. We can talk, uh, investigate that further. The skill that you want to have is begin to see what management is about. Mm -hmm. Management isn't about controlling the movement of the body and thoughts of the person that you're managing. Management is about communication and orchestration of action. Management is about coordinating breakdowns, coordinating promises, commitments, delays, um, providing a uh, space in which this coordination can happen among people. If people get stuck, management is about helping people negotiate, work with each other in the way that their agency is not taken away. Yeah. The skill of coordination um, is what I think is a new managerial leader in today's era uh, would need to cultivate. Mm. I like that. Yeah. And like you said earlier, uh, allowing the space for people to kind of manage themselves, right? So you mm. don't have to micromanage. That's a powerful, I think that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions that we get a lot, um, and I'm not saying that I fully understand this concern, and maybe you understand it better, but we get asked the question of how do I manage up and down both? Mm -hmm. Can you maybe elaborate on the question itself first? Like what is the, what is, what do people mean when they say that? You know, managing down is, uh, I think, is obvious to people already that uh, team, managing right? managing up is when your uh, when your bosses are uh, trapped in the old interpretations that they need to control you, mm. or are expecting too much, or not negotiating, or issuing too many orders. Then managing up will have to do with how do you negotiate. Um, with your with your bosses, with your seniors, with your superiors in the job, and managing down would be uh, how do you manage the uh, the action among your team members, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the skills you need for both managing up and managing down are the same. Yeah. If you find yourself in a situation where you are having a struggle mm -hmm. with your bosses then begin by listening, begin by instead of, see, there's, it's very natural to have a resistance mm -hmm. to when you perceive that someone is trying to control you. So it's natural for you to, um, to reject that. But mm -hmm. as you reject that, a certain kind of a mood gets built up between you and your seniors. Mm -hmm. Certain kind of a mood of a resentment gets set in place. So managing up, first, you have to deal with that mood of resentment. You have to deal with your contribution in it. Maybe start by owning your contribution in it. If you are in a situation where you're having difficulty with your bosses, they're giving you too much work, 
they are maybe um, uh, asking for too much or too many orders are being issued and you're being unjustly treated, first get in touch with that resentment and acknowledge your participation in it. And then begin to maybe go to your boss and say, hey, I would like to understand your structure of concerns here. I would like to understand what is it that you really care about? And I wonder if there might be a more effective way for us to figure out how to go after what you care about. So you begin to negotiate conditions of satisfaction. Yeah, It is the same skill you need to deal with your team members. Mm -hmm. If you step away from having to order your team members, mm -hmm. right? If you rely on a management skill that I'm ordering my team members and they're going to do what I'm going to tell them to do, the same skill doesn't work mm. with your boss. You cannot order your boss. So once you step away from that interpretation that you need to order your uh, team members, then what you must do is to negotiate action, mm. make requests, listen to their counters, make uh, their counter offers, offer to help them, track commitments, the same skill you need and negotiate conditions of satisfaction. Right. And then once you have a negotiated promise, co-own that with each other. The same skill with bosses, you begin by listening to their care. Maybe they have some uh, view of the forest that you don't have, your bosses. They may have some yeah. concerns that you may not be in touch with. Right. Wondering about that concern, uh, asking that we have communication with each other in which we negotiate conditions of satisfaction Another thing that could happen that maybe your boss is committed that your boss is never going to be satisfied, no matter what. Oh, yeah. When you negotiate conditions of satisfaction, then your boss can begin to take responsibility of what needs to happen that they will be satisfied and or then your, own that shared promise. Or your, the people who are reporting to you also. Or the people who are reporting to you, the same approach applies. Yeah, very good. Okay. That was great. Any last uh, points uh, you might want to give or any last thoughts about someone who's stepping into a leadership role before we end? Someone who is stepping into a leadership role, first of all, uh, congratulations. Yeah. Um, any little voice that comes up that you're not good enough or you don't know enough, uh, say to that little voice, thank you very much for sharing. But since I'm stepping into that role, let me try that anyways. Step away from the 20th century style management, which is about control. Mm -hmm. Tune into the moods of your people. Begin by listening. Mm -hmm. What got you here may be your deep concern about your career. Maybe mm -hmm. if you have made the CEO, then you must have really taken care of your career and performed really well. But mm -hmm. what got you here may not work going forward. Mm -hmm. It might be a best idea that you begin to shift the focus from onto what's going to help my career, what's going to help my position to what's going to help my people. Mm. That shift is a very important shift. And mm. as you make that shift, you may not know how to care for those people. But mm. as you make that shift and begin to care about your people, think a little less about your goals and your career and your wins and think a little more about your people's roadblocks and stucknesses your shared goals, their wins individually, and your wins together, whether you know how to lead and how to manage 
and how to design or whether you don't, it almost doesn't matter. When yeah. you bring care, and not just care as a touchy-feely, mushy thing, but mm -hmm. care as a commitment to engagement, when you bring that to the table, uh, new solutions will reveal themselves to you as mm -hmm. you as you go forward in your career. Hmm. I love that. I think that's a perfect place to end. So uh, thank you. And with that, we conclude episode nine of the Our podcast, navigating a new leadership role and becoming a leader worth following. Thank you, Sake, once again for sharing your insights and expertise. Uh, and don't forget to tune in next time um, in two weeks um, in the same place and the same time for more alt-work conversations. I'm Victoria Reles, and this has been the Alt-Work podcast. Thank you, Victoria. Goodbye, everybody.